Hello, and welcome to the Cambridge Assessment Podcast. My name's Alana Walden, and I'm here to introduce the second episode in a series of podcasts hosted by our colleagues in the Cambridge Assessment Network, focusing on the different aspects and forms of assessment. In this episode, Loic from the Centre for Education and Youth discusses a report on building a better future for assessment. We look at how assessment can transform teaching practice and student outcomes and championing assessment as a career pathway for teachers. Um, so today I'm here with Loic Menzies from the Centre for Education and Youth um, and in December they released a report along with Pearson UK called Making Waves, Building a Better Future for Assessment. Uh, which had the aim of casting a light on what schools and teachers need to tackle the big challenges around assessment. So welcome, Loic, um, and thanks Hello. for coming today. Thank you um, for having me. <laughs> so first of all, would you like to just um, introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about the Centre for Education and Youth um, sure. and what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, my name is Loic and yeah, I'm the Chief Exec of the Centre for Education and Youth. And we describe ourselves as a think and action tank. Um, and our job is basically to work across the education and youth sector and to bring together research, policy and practitioner and young people's insights. Um, so really to try and provide the evidence and expertise that policymakers and practitioners need to support young people better. Um, so we act as that kind of bridge between between all those different parts of a sector who's, who sometimes don't, unfortunately, don't talk to each other as much as would be good. So today we are speaking about the Making Waves report. What were the driving forces behind the report and how did it come about? So I've been really interested in this area for a long time, actually, because um, because back as a teacher, I used to really struggle with assessment. We had really unrealistic expectations um, around um, how much assessment we did we were expected to do and by that I mean quite meaningless assessment the kind of ticking and flicking through a book um, and I was so frustrated by that because the expectations the school had on me would have taken me 15 to 20 hours a week to to comply with mm -hmm. and that sort of notion of assessment as a as a form of compliance and something that um kind of was divorced from it, its value and purpose uh, was something that really frustrated me and it was only when I moved into research and into policy um, that I began to realise that actually assessment is a real pillar of good education and good teaching and um, because there's just no no other way that you can really understand your pupils misconceptions and plan your teaching and support their progress and um, so that kind of tension between what I'd experienced as a teacher and, and as a school leader and and what I could see was needed and um, felt to me like something that needed resolving um, so a few years back, um, I co-authored a report um, called uh, Testing the Water that looked at trying to understand the purpose of assessment and, and some of the issues and challenges with assessment. Um, and this is kind of a next step in that. So Making Waves um, is all about building a better future for assessment and thinking about the role that teachers themselves and schools and uh, at every level can take in, in, in using their agency and using their expertise to, to use assessment for good. You said there a bit about your experience as a teacher. What was the status quo you found in assessment in schools? What, what does it look like currently? 
I mean, this is a few years back, and fortunately, I think the, the conversation has moved on to some extent. Um, but at the time, uh, there, there were very much top-down expectations uh, from school leadership, which were justified on the basis of, of needing, needing to be done in order to comply with Ofsted, um, and quite often a misconceived idea of what Ofsted might want. Um, and so we were, we were being told that we needed to be showing that we'd looked at people's books. We needed to be showing that we had given it a mark. We need to be entering data into spreadsheets, whether or not that data was meaningful or not. Um, so it, it was completely devoid of, divorced from, from um, what, what as a teacher I considered to be the, the purpose of my role. So it wasn't, it was not something that was there for helping pupils to learn. It was something that was there to to demonstrate compliance. Yeah, and then would you say that's that sort of kind of meaningless um, or purposeless purposeless <laughs> assessment um, was you know it was kind of negatively impacting on teachers and pupils as well. Hugely, and actually there was a study just published a few months back by John Jerram at the Institute of Education at UCL. Um, which actually showed a really strong relationship between um, between marking and poor well-being amongst teachers. So, uh, I mean, another area I've, I do a lot of research in is around teacher recruitment and retention, so the, the, the teacher workforce. Um, and we see there that what levels of workload um, are problematic, but that part of the reason why they're so problematic is because they're not seen as um, as demands on teachers' time that are meaningful and worthwhile they, they don't what teachers are being asked to do sometimes in that time is not what they went into teaching for um, and that's often the case when it comes to these sort of compliance based um, assessment policies so I, I i strongly believe that we could have a much happier and more motivated workforce uh, if people were if teachers were able to take take that control of assessment and use it for its originally intended purpose which is to support people learning what do you see as the kinds of innovations that could inform teaching practice and support learner outcomes? So um, one of the interesting things about this study is that it was actually in many ways more about how you implement a change and how you design an initiative to maximise your chances of success as it was about assessing a particular approach to assessment. Um, because actually I think often it's, um, it's more about how you implement something um, then it, that, that becomes a really important determinant of how successful any approach to assessment is. Um, so, and key among, key within that is tailoring every, every form of assessment to its intended purpose. Because as we showed in, in our first report, the Testing the Water report, um, and as d people like Daisy Christodoulou have been arguing for a long time, a lot of the problems with assessment come from the muddying that happens when assessment's trying to serve formative purposes and summative assess uh, purposes and accountability purposes and every other purpose under the sun all, all through one assessment. And, and that can cause huge problems. So I think one of the most promising things uh, when I look at assessment innovation is the sort of micro assessments or um, that are really tailored to their purpose. So we saw we saw teachers who were who were really effectively using those those rapid um, quiz type assessments in order to identify uh, misconceptions quickly. So you can change tack and adapt your teaching quickly. Um, and those being key to, to that form of that formative continuous assessment um, and accepting that that won't be the basis of your, your summative judgments and that those are a separate thing, but really disentangling some of those those confused purposes. 
I think you've spoken before about the need for knowledge sharing and that is something that is part of this report as well. What do you think are the best ways to support people in their innovations and to share their successes? Yeah, well, I think something like the assessment network that you have is is really important for exactly that reason, because we argue in, in Making Waves that, um, that preparing to innovate is key. And when we looked at what, um, you know, a lot of the initiatives we looked at had all sorts of problems and, and weren't necessarily successful, which was part of what we were trying to study. And what we were finding quite often is that people were drawing on very limited sources of information in order to, in order to shape their initiatives. Uh, there, you know, a, a small number of names of researchers would come up repeatedly um, or, or people would be picking from a limited repertoire. So I think one of the things we were trying to do with this report was was exactly that that um, exchange of, of knowledge giving giving different examples so connecting teachers up to talk about the, the different approaches they're taking and and ensuring that every time uh, you you a practitioner finds um an issue with assessment that they want to take on as a challenge um, that they read read widely about it um, and search for other examples before before trying to reinvent the wheel yeah, no, that's um, definitely something, you know, as the assessment network, obviously, we, we provide a service in um, teaching people about assessment, but we do want to, you know, we have that broader mission of um, bringing professionals together to sort of exchange ideas um, and learn from each other. Um, so something else that we think is is kind of is, is important is people seeing assessment as a professional discipline and a career route. Um, um, potentially for teachers that being a career route so what what do you think are the barriers could be the barriers to that um yeah well almost to, almost to flip that on its head one of the things I was really struck by in in, in the study was the value of um of innovating at a department or, or subject specific level um and so I saw we saw that in in several schools um, innovations were being led by heads of department, which meant that they could really tailor their approach to their assessment approach to the particular dis- discipline they're operating in. Um, because I think one of the one of the areas that sometimes uh, we lack as teachers is that subject specific understanding of assessment. So I think, as you say, in terms of developing assessment expertise as as a discipline. Um, doing so within within the the, the tradition and and the, the particular pedagogy of, of each subject um is really important and and that's even more important at a primary level where teachers are are having to move between different subjects where the discipline of assessment within each of those subjects is likely to be different being able to navigate between between what assessment looks like in different disciplines is key following on from that um you mentioned in the report about the need for innovation but responsible innovation um so what would you say the key things are to achieving that so uh, a few of them i've touched on the first one being being that idea of preparing um preparing to innovate and so doing doing the pre-reading doing the pre-work because actually it's i think of it as managing the risks um because in innovation yeah innovation is risky it it doesn't it wouldn't be innovation if it didn't often also at least sometimes go wrong um and unfortunately when you're talking about education that can have quite a, a high cost because it's, it's pupils who experience that and, and sometimes they only get one shot at education so yeah that preparation is key and um, bearing in mind that 
key question of purpose that I mentioned earlier on in terms of what is the purpose of this particular um, this particular bit of assessment. Um, thinking about what level to innovate at, do you need a whole school policy for this or is it a department level policy or is it an individual practitioner's approach? Um, because is, and, and working out at what level uh, to innovate um, is key. Um, also the question of um, if you're learning from another approach, if you're implementing something that you've heard about elsewhere, how tight or how loose to be about that innovation. And what I mean by that is that if you've got a tried and tested approach that's been you know, properly trialed, it's actually really important to implement that with fidelity to, to the model that has been tested. Um, however, if you're doing something quite new, you might want to be able to um, duck and dive and change and, and respond quickly in a really agile way to what's going on. Um, so we saw some of our innovators in making waves had, had tried something and quickly realized that it wasn't working how they expected. So they changed it. And they were only able to do that because they had a quite a loose experimental approach and they were constantly gathering feedback. So are you going to do something that's already got a solid evidence base and therefore you're going to do it for a fixed period of time following a fixed model? Or are you doing something more experimental in which, in which case you need much rap more rapid feedback and much more rapid um, adaptation? Um, and I think if, if people have a read of Making Waves, they'll find that we, we've provided in there a, a, a kind of cycle um, based on a, a policy cycle um, that's been around for quite a long time, thinking about identifying what the pain point you're trying to tackle is, thinking about how you plan your response, how you make your decision, how you go about implementation, and then how you evaluate all of that in a, in a cycle and a loop. Um, so we've put that in there. And I Hopefully that gives people a bit of a structure to innovate in, which will mean that it's that bit more responsible and careful. I know you said the case studies within the report were more about looking at possible ways to implement change rather than the specific innovations. But I was just wondering whether there were some particularly successful innovations within the case studies. So there's quite yeah there's a few and um, one I one I'd pick out um, was the assessment innovation team at, at Heathfield, um, and what I like about that one is that they really exemplify this quite systematic approach to innovation that I've just been describing. So they um, they there in that school they they took they got people to volunteer um, from different subjects, and um, so they had people leading uh, innovations from different subjects, and they provided some proper training. Uh, to make sure that people had the right assessment expertise to start off with so that they could carefully plan an evidence-based approach to tackling a particular issue in their subject. And then they went about implementing that and constantly reviewing it and assessing uh, the extent to which it was successful. And then they were able to cascade that out when it was successful. So it was a really great way of saying, look, we realise that we want to improve assessment practice in this school as a whole, but we need to work out the best ways of doing that. And so we're going to equip people with the skills they need to do that and a structured approach to be able to go about doing so systematically. So I was really impressed by that because I think that's quite unusual for, for schools to take that kind of approach. Yeah, and it seems like um, a good way for, um, you know, you, you say the idea of cascading, maybe a few people within the school having a deeper level of understanding of assessment and you're, you're kind of able to spread that more widely. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So why is assessment so important? 
for people that think assessment is all about high stakes testing and exams at the end of your school career, how can it be transformative? How can it make a difference? I think it, it means that you make sure as a teacher that you are putting your effort into the right things, that you know what it is that is stopping um, one of your pupils from progressing. Um, because it's very easy to make assumptions about why someone doesn't understand something or to or to bang your head against a wall as a teacher thinking what well, i don't know why are they not understanding this or i'm sure they knew this last week how come they don't know it now what's going on and it can be so frustrating when you think you've taught something but it doesn't seem to have been learned and i think it really closes that loop between what's taught and what's learned telling you where your pupils are at so that you can really then direct your attentions with like the precision of absolute precision uh, in order to tackle those misconceptions and, and move pupils on. Um, and that's why I think so powerful about it when it's done well. So the report came out in December. With something like this, what needs to happen now? How does maximum impact come from the report? And what do you hope will be the next steps? It's a funny one, actually, because um, quite often the reports we do at the Centre for Education and Youth um, involve quite a lot of recommendations for policymakers. Um, but because we're a think and action tank, we actually believe that you don't just achieve change through policy change. And that's nowhere more the case than with this report, because actually this whole report is about teachers' agency and their autonomy and their ability to enact change. So unlike other reports where we might be trying to get the government to fund an initiative or to uh, to look, change a policy, here it's really about getting the word out um, to teachers um, and as supporting teachers to make make change themselves and um, so it's about us getting getting those kind of models and those lessons that have been sharing today out to as many teachers as possible um, so uh, I mean I've written a chapter in um, the research ed book on assessment recently that kind of draws together some of the lessons uh, from making waves um, and that type of thing is re is really important here as is you know, talking to networks like your assessment network to, to get the word out there really and give people those tools that they, they can use in, in their classroom. I know you said um, the report does, doesn't um, address a specific policy change, but do you think there are policies that are possibly acting as a barrier to um, teachers um, you know, being a bit more autonomous in the classroom um, with their assessment? Um, I think, yeah, I think where we have accountability that's very short term, um, it it counteracts efforts by teachers to do um, do really sustainable uh, changes to their practice, uh, like the ones we're advocating for here. So, I've I've long argued that we shouldn't really be holding schools to account just by year by year in terms of uh, of uh, achievement in, in national exams that we should be looking at much more long-term measures multi-year averages and so on so i think that where we have very short-term um accountability pressures uh, it, it definitely detracts because it 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 creates a climate of fear amongst school leaders where what they what they feel they need to push for is is for compliance into a into a framework um rather than being able to think well what will what will mean that our pupils are doing really well two years three years four years down the line um so so i've, I've long felt that um we need to move towards much much longer term measures of school success 
So that concludes my questions. Was there anything you wanted to add to sign off? I think apart from really encouraging people to to have a read of the report, to, because I think what we've tried to do is to um, to fuse kind of thematic insights about approaches to innovation and assessment and then really detailed explanations of what happened in each of the case studies and what went wrong or what went right. Um, so to engage with that and, and see where the potential pitfalls are, because having an idea for something you're going to do to improve assessment is really only not even half the work and not even 10% of the work. It's just the germ. Um, and how you go about implementing a change is what will really make the difference. Um, so I think I think engaging with that, that idea of implementation and the stories of how people have gone about things over that time over time is, is what matters, which is kind of why we decided to do a project that was that was a, a long term project following following people as they implemented something. OK, well, thank you very much for that. And um, thank you for coming on our podcast. It was great to speak to you. Um, it's been really interesting to talk about. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can find out more about the assessment network via the links in the description. Join our community on LinkedIn and look out for the next podcast in this series. Thank you for listening to the Cambridge Assessment Podcast. You can find more of our podcasts on our website, just search Podcast Gallery, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or YouTube.